Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. guys, welcome to another episode of the Best Life Podcast. I'm super pumped because I, we're doing something a little bit different today. My brother, Danny Coleman, who you guys might have heard in an earlier podcast all about how to do you follow your dreams or do you create your dreams. We got him on because he does a lot of research and reading into positive psychology, behavior change, habit change, things like that. So he's here visiting me in Los Angeles and I wanted to get him on to talk about something that I feel like is one of the things that he is the best at. And that is what we call in our household, emotional agility. So he's, he's shaking his head. He doesn't like that term. That's okay. We're going to define it here in a second. But the idea is, and this comes up a lot, especially if you're in the online business space, if you're trying to build your personal brand, is how can I be more likable, but also be myself and be authentic? So we hear this word authentic that gets thrown around a ton. And I want to ask you about that. But I want to get Dan on because honestly, of all the people in my life, he probably is the best example of someone who gets along with everybody. And so, you know, is that possible to get, how do you get along with everyone while also maintaining your boundaries, while also maybe not having to say yes to everything, not placating, not pleasing. I know that a lot of people who are listening struggle with maybe perfectionism or maybe people pleasing, maybe recovering people pleaser. So Dan, welcome to the show. What's up, everybody? It's good to be back. Jill, thanks for having me. I miss your girl, Danny J. I know. Shout out, Danny J. You know, we we kind of just off the cuff thought we would throw this together, and hopefully it makes it to air. We'll see how we do. Uh, Missing Danny J. I know she'd love to be here, but wanted to chat about this since you're in town, and we can do this live. So tell me a little bit. First of all, just tell me a little bit about your background. So tell me a little bit about, like, kind of, you know, you're writing a book right now, and it's almost ready to go to print. Tell me about the book. Why is this book exciting for you? Why is this topic exciting for you? Why are you into it? Good question. So right off the jump, uh, writing a book right now, it's essentially how to win friends and influence people uh, by Dale Carnegie for the 21st century, right? So I do a lot of reading into positive psychology, behavior change, but also connection and social skills and leadership and all these skills that that are just as, as essential as accounting or computer science or these other skills this is the other half of the spectrum that i'm just fascinated in in this how we interact with one another so the book coming out with my man dr j tita shout out as well is not here today usually is in the building somewhere but uh we're writing this book it's uh, how to win friends and influence people 2.0 working title we're really excited about it and it's just an interesting concept because what other topic is involved with everybody every single day of our lives throughout our lives. Totally. And I love talking about this because I feel like even the social media sphere adds a whole nother element to, right? Like, of course, we're dealing with people in the day-to-day setting, whether it's at work, whether it's at in our families, whether it's out at a bar at happy hour, we're always dealing with people in person, but then you add the social media element to it. And I know that my girls, a lot of them really struggle with authenticity and can I be myself on the internet and am I going to be liked and struggling with how they're being perceived and wanting to kind of manage that. So First question is, I know the book is kind of like how to win friends and influence people. If you guys not read that book by Dale Carnegie, make sure you do it. It was written in what, the 20s? 
the 1920s. I would have said 1940s, but okay. it's old, man. Yeah, it's That's pretty old. Yeah. And so I have some serious problems with this book. Good. Because I feel like a lot of it is having to be someone you're not in order to be approved of or affirmed of or to gain something from. Really? Why? Really? Yeah. Do you, so you feel like it's manipulative? Yes. I feel like it's marketing a little bit, which I get, obviously. I, you is. know, I feel like I'm a little bit of a marketer. So Yeah, you are. And, you know, on the other side of, you know, I'm a student of Byron Katie's work mm -hmm. and she has a book out that's called I Need Your Love, Is That True? And her whole book is all about showing up 100% as you are and letting the chips fall. So like trying no manip She says that personalities manipulate. She's like, basically, like if you have a personality, you're trying to convince someone of something all the time. And as a marketer, like that's near and dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. But is that what we're talking about in this book? Like, do you need to be a marketer or like, what's the balance between, you know, changing yourself to be liked or showing up with this kind of bomb dropping authenticity of like, here I am, like, like it or don't like it. What do you think? This was the hardest thing that we had to deal with when we wrote the book. It was this, how do you strike this balance between being there for other people, being a people pleaser, compromising, putting down maybe your selfish wants for people who you want to build a relationship with. And on the other hand, being authentic, not being a pushover. A big thing is, is not being resentful, right? We don't, if when a lot of times we put our own desires, wishes, values down, we become resentful of other people. And this is the hardest thing we had in the book. And the chapter that I took over was essentially this, when it comes to the actual interaction with people, where does this balance lie? And I argue that two thirds of connection of other people should be about other people. What do you mean by that? I mean that two thirds should be focused on the other person, whereas the one third should be authenticity. So if you're balancing between, and I, we, we'll okay. get into it because I know you have thoughts on it too, right? So if you're on one end of the spectrum, the authentic, I'm going to be authentic no matter what, and I don't care what right. anybody sees. You come off as cold, you miss opportunities for connection. Mm. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you become the pushover, the people pleaser, right? What do you, but what about, what about the kind of the mantra behind the, or the reason why people want to be authentic is it's a filtering system. If I just show up 100% as myself, boundaries in place, you know, I say no when I mean, want to say no, I say yes when I truly want to say yes, and I let the chips fall. Am I not going to be able to make connections with the right people? It's, it's a good point. And I just think it's, it's just extra nuanced, right? So I do. Never would I say put down your values or your beliefs or opinions or thoughts and hide those things in order to connect with people. However, I do think authenticity can go a little too far. Like I think you can be like, here I am, like it or not. And, here, and you're dealing with other people where it's an interdependent world, right? So you do at some point, right? So a great relationship, I do believe, needs compromise. I do believe needs, sometimes your own wants, desires are going to be suppressed in order to meet the other person halfway, quote unquote. And I know we have, we have a lot of discussions around this and you tend to lead more towards the authenticity side and I tend to lead more towards the people pleasing side, just our, na yep. the, our natural way of yep. being, right? Because yep. um, no one else that I know gets stuck in a coffee shop with four hours talking to some stranger <laughs> and I don't get any That's one of my favorite own. stories about that happened to you. So tell me a little bit about like that. I know this is kind of a recurring thing for you and I know you're actually trying to mitigate it a little bit 
and we kind of laugh about it because, you know, for me, and I think anyone who knows me, I'm very, I don't know, I'm very like action oriented, very schedule oriented, very focused, prioritizing. So, I mean, and it's not that I'm cold, but like if I'm in a coffee shop and someone starts talking to me, I very quickly wrap it up in a, a kind way, but it's, it's always to the end of like, I don't really have time for this. I'm not really like wanting to be here and, and, and discuss this, whether that's cold or not. But then you, on the other hand, will get like pulled into like playing a chess game for two hours. Right. Yeah. Which <laughs> happened many times. I'd walk into a Starbucks. Next thing I walk into a Starbucks to work because I work from home. Next thing I know, it's been, I only wanted to be there for an hour. I've been there for two and a half hours. I'm playing chess with some guy named Charles from <laughs> Greece, who's given me life lessons as he waxes my ass in chess. So it, there, there does have to be a balance between this stuff, and it's so. Let's go through this, right? So this is this is my chapter in the book, and I want to see what you think about this. So, I say, true connections happen with social agility, and the word social agility I use that strategically because social interactions require agility. They require they're contextual, right? There's no hard and fast rules. Be authentic 100% of the time and you'll be fine. No, that's not true. You're, you're going to come off mean and maybe miss an opportunity to connect with somebody who has a big business proposal for you, but because you guys didn't connect, because people do business with people they like, right? Mm -hmm. People enter relationships with people they like. So I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> the so, chapter okay, of the book, all right, yeah. So three pieces, right? So yeah. the first, so I argue that two thirds of social skills and connection is should be about the other person. Yep. I call it the three R's. And the first two R's, one is responsiveness, okay. which is just another word for active listening, engaging, being in the moment with people. And I think this is the most important point uh, for us, particularly in this day and age, when you have your cell phone on you. There's this really cool piece of research that if your phone is on the table, just on the table, not even going off, you are retaining less information in a conversation wow. with somebody. Just having your phone out, so wow. you're distracted. So a distracted mind is a hard mind to connect with. So that's why I argue the first and foremost, we need to be more responsive to one another, more in tune to other people's needs, and really just listen. Then the second point is recognition. I think people need to be highlighted, validated, uh, particularly the people in our lives, right? I think mm. people need to be expressed uh, gratitude and appreciation for what they do for you, and, I, and it, particularly people close in our lives because those are people we ignore or push over or take, yeah. take for Or see our stresses. Yeah, so we take our those bad are the first two R's, and if you notice, those are about other people. So okay. that's 66% of the form, and then the third So first is R, what? Responsiveness. Okay, responsiveness slash listening. It's, which listen. it's, is, it's really engagement. It's engagement okay. with another person, it's not partially, not having your mind thinking about work while you're at dinner with your significant other. Not looking other. at your phone. Not looking at your phone. Making eye contact. Yes. It's really just listening. And it's not <laughs> that hard, right? But it is hard. Yeah. It is hard when you have your own stresses, when you have your own dings and dongs going. Don't say ding and dong. <laughs> your dings and dongs going off in your pocket with your phone. So that's definitely number one in my, and then two is recognition, which is, is seeing people. Is that just like give compliments? They need to be true. Like what if you're, you know. Yes, it's it's well, it's give compliments and so a piece of research I love is people who write letters to people in their lives that they appreciate. Basically gratitude letters of, Hey, thanks so much. I noticed you did this for me, really appreciate it. even though they're just short. See positive effects up to six months later in their lives as far as their health, their happiness wow. and their well being. It's it's really interesting. it's by Martin Seliman, shout out. Yeah. Uh, and it's really interesting Godfather research. And I think we just don't do enough of that. So yes, it is compliments. Yes, they do have to be genuine, but that it's a little different than response. Response is just listening. It's okay. being in the moment with them. Recognition is, is highlighting them. Yep. And then the third R is the real piece. Which is? 
the authenticity piece. Which is the authenticity piece. Okay, cool. So what if you are someone who is maybe a recovering people pleaser? So for example, how would you know if that your people pleasing tendencies were causing you a problem? How would you know? Would you be resentful? Would you be doing things, not being productive in your own life because you're running around for other people? What is that? I think that I think the key emotion is resentment. Yeah. For me, it's not resentment of other people. Even I resent myself like, damn, Dan, why'd you do that? Or I'm mad at myself for not putting my own needs first. Mm. And I think it's a really tough balance. But I think when it comes to real, there's certain things, there's values, there's boundaries, which I would love for you to talk about. I know you guys did an episode on boundaries, but highlight a quick highlight. Those are the things that uh, should not be compromised. That's what the real piece is for me. So, you know, let's say someone is in that place where they're like, cool, I hear you. I'm there for people. I know that I need to start being more authentic in my life. I have some boundaries that I know need to be stronger. I have some things that I want to say no to that I historically have said yes to. Even I'm trying to build my online personal brand and I need to pull back the curtain, kind of show a little bit, be a little bit more vulnerable about my struggles and kind of who I are, who I am. What do you say to someone who's scared that they're not going to be liked as a result of showing who they are. Well, I think you have the answer to this question. So why don't you answer your own question and let me jump in on top of it? Because I think you have a really good model, the self-trust model, right? I think I think that'd be good for people to hear. And then let me jump in on top of it. Like answer your own question. Yeah. So one of the things I say, uh, so especially when I'm teaching business is I say, try to get your first hater or troll as fast as possible. I think that there is utility in getting negativity as fast as possible because you learn that you can survive it. And that's one of the things that a lot of people are really scared of is especially, you know, if you're in the health and fitness world, you're scared that you're putting out the wrong biochemistry or you're scared that you're not talking about the science appropriately. You're scared that your peers are going to call you out or you're scared that, you know, I don't know, maybe your mom's going to see something, right? So we have all these kind of fears. It was interesting when I, I did a survey at JillFit, when I asked people what they were the most scared of when it came to being vulnerable online, like I was like, isn't there like a person in your life that like one person, when you think about, I'm getting ready to publish this, you have that like one person you think of. And it was interesting. Their responses were things like my brother's girlfriend and my cousin and my grandma and this other trainer at my gym, like they were nobodies, like nobodies, because they didn't have an impact on the person's business, right? I was like, is your grandma really going to be your customer? And they were like, no, of course not, right? So we have this person, most of us have that one person that we're thinking about. If we post this, we're scared that they're going to judge us or they're going to perceive us in a certain way or they're going to be mad at us or disappointed in us. And so... I am a big fan of ripping the bandaid off. I'm like, you know what? Let's have grandma be upset. And then let's figure out what, how we're going to manage that. And I'm a big fan. And you know, I did this with Jill Fit is, you know, obviously we're, we're brother and sister. We have the same dad. And, you know, he's had some of his things to say about my podcast and about what I've shared on the internet. Mostly he's extremely proud. But there were moments where I don't know that the things that I talked about were really received super well by him. So that was when I had a separate conversation with him personally to say, Hey, this isn't about you. This means nothing about you. I remember I was actually going to share something that, you know, obviously your parents are the people and your people are closest to you are going to be your, your biggest, what's the word, just sounding boards. They're going to be your biggest lessons, right? Those are the relationships that mean the most. So working through those relationships become the lessons that you want to teach, at least for me and my business. And I actually called dad. And I said, hey, I want to post this thing. I'm actually going to email my list about this. And it's about how 
I navigated our relationship in adulthood versus when I was a child. Um, and I said, it has nothing to do with you. Like you're, I know that you love me at the whole, I know you've always loved me. Uh, if you guys don't know my dad actually, and my parents divorced when I was two and my dad moved, you know, basically 2000 miles away when I was, when I was five and we've always had a great relationship, but he was kind of the dad that like came in and whisked me off and we had a great weekend together. And then he kind of went back and did his thing. And he was always there for me. I knew, always knew he loved me, but we had that relationship where I was always trying to prove myself to him. And so later on in my twenties, we actually lived together for the very first time in my our entire life when I was 22. I love this story. Yeah. And, you know, navigating the day-to-day with a parent that I had never really lived day-to-day with was a challenge for both of us because we had one paradigm that we were existing in where I was always like kind of, we were always having fun and this and that. And I was like, okay, we live together now. I can't always do the things that we were doing on the weekends. Like I have to manage this. And so we had a series of conversations where I was literally just like letting him be disappointed and I was sharing my needs, which is the first time I ever did that. And so we kind of went through that and I wanted to talk about that at JillFit. And I I talked to him the day before and I said, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. And he was like, whatever you need, do it. And so that was one, one really important aspect of if you want to be more vulnerable, you might have to maybe manage your relationships off screen. So if you're worried about your mom or you're worried about your cousin or that, you know, that random person, you might have to manage that off screen and maybe it's a peer and just go, okay, what's the what is the main purpose of this? Why am I being vulnerable? It's not for your mom. It's not for your dad. It's not for your cousin. It's not for that other trainer. It's for your potential customer. And so you have to ask yourself, it's not for your peers. And so the fear of not being liked, I actually, I kind of like ripping the bandaid off. And then when things don't fall to shit, you think they're going to. And when they actually don't, you can look back and go, God, I survived that. Okay, cool. Maybe I can be a little bit more vulnerable now. Like I was a little bit, I stuck my, my neck out a little bit the world didn't fall apart. Okay. Maybe I can take that next step in vulnerability. And so you now are creating a show of evidence that you can survive these scary moments. And I think that's important. And how long did it take for you to really overcome that? So I I don't know if dad was your person that you, you thought about when you published a blog, but let's say like, yep. When you tell that story, how long did it actually take where you got completely over that. You know, it's not a switch, right? Well, like here's the thing is vulnerability is a practice, right? It's not just like something you do once and you're like, cool, I'm cured. It's like, it's, there's always a further step to go. If you had asked me two years ago, if I ever would have publicly talked about the fact that my spouse had an affair, no fucking way, no fucking way. And here we are in the best life. It's like the cornerstone of the podcast. So I think that there's vulnerability PRs. There's like these little benchmarks that you get to. And the first time you're vulnerable, it's going to feel really scary. And then again, you build that kind of vulnerability muscle, if you will. And then you go to the next step and you go to the next step. And whoever's left at the end of all of that revealing, those are your fucking people. And I know you and I talked about this a little bit earlier when we were talking about this podcast is, you know, what do you do if you find out that someone doesn't like you, is disappointed in you, is judging you, perceives you in a way that you don't feel like you are? Or what if you're right? The thing that you thought they, the way you thought they would react, they did. They actually reacted that way. How do you deal with that? How do you deal with that? I don't know that. <laughs> no, I mean... <laughs> That, I, that we were talking about this yesterday, like it's sometimes it's not incentivizing to be honest, be honest with, with, especially people close to you, right? Because when you tell them something, it's like, you know, you see this all around and say, okay, I'm going to tell you something, but don't get mad. And then you tell them something that is upsetting to them. And then they have their response and you go, see, I knew I couldn't I, tell you. I knew I couldn't tell you. I knew I couldn't trust you. And what did you say yesterday? I loved your response. 
they actually might. So my whole thing was if you're scared to share who you are or you're scared to reveal maybe the tr- your true self, right? And, and you're scared if they're not going to like you as a result of that. And a lot of people say this to me is a kiss of death. It really is when you and I are talking. I'm like, well, maybe you should share that with that person. Maybe it's dad or whoever. And then the person says, well, I don't want to, I don't want to say it to him because I know how they're going to respond. Why would I? I know how they're going to respond. They can't handle it. I know they can't handle it. To me, that's not the point. Like they might actually respond exactly in the way that you think they're going to. They're going to get mad. They're going to get pissed at you. They're going to give you the cold shoulder, whatever that is. That's not the point. The point is the practice. The point is the practice of vulnerability. So yes, they might respond the exact way that you're so scared that they're going to, but it's the practice that now you're communicating on that level, which is different. And to your point, that's not, that's just not incentivizing. Like to have someone no, be upset or mad or feel or, good. And yeah, it is. It, you're like, you are validated that they responded exactly how you thought. You know, this is a little bit different online though. Cause I think sometimes we always, we automatically think it's going to be poorly received and it's honestly not. That's the cool thing about being vulnerable on the internet, especially now, is it is more well-received now to be vulnerable and to be open and to like be transparent than it ever has been. And one thing I said yesterday, and I truly believe this, you know how we look back on the 19, 1902s and 3s? <laughs> <laughs> we look back on the 1800s, 1700s, right? And we go, God, I cannot believe people did that. Whatever it was, treated each other like that went to the de- dentist who used those weird tools, did lobotomies. <laughs> you know, you just go, I can't believe people did that. I truly believe that we're going to look, people are going to look back on this time and go, I cannot believe how ruthless those people were to each other on the internet. I think there's gonna, they're going to develop a different set of skills. They're going to be on a higher level, a next level than us, a higher consciousness mm-hmm. on the internet. I think there's going to be rules and etiquette that they are going to develop and follow. And they're going to look back on us. They go, I cannot believe those people were so ruthless to each other. And to your point, you do get a lot of positive feedback when you open up online. Totally I, have a, I have a lot of blogs that I was really uncomfortable to publish. And I, and unfortunately it is, it's silent. It's in your DMs. It's uh, someone sends you a text. I got you ran into of, someone uh, th- six months later at the grocery uh, store, and they're like, "I loved your blog." And I had like, I had a guy I haven't I haven't written on my blog in a year, and I had a guy I went to high school with who I what, didn't even hang out with. He got my number from somebody, texted somebody, and goes, "When's the next blog coming out?" It's crazy. That is, but crazy. it's so behind the scenes. Whereas the negativity is loud. People are ruthless, and they're ruthless in the comment section for everybody else to see. So there's that that aspect. Of, it's kind of embarrassing. There's the negativity like, there's bias the, too, yeah. right? Like of we're course. gonna, yeah. Negativity bias, right, for all you guys is that our brains are way more sensitive to negativity than positivity. And they say the ratio is anywhere from three to seven positive interactions for every one negative is equal to our brains. That's how, it, that's how bad it hurts. So, but to your point, I do think it's important, important to highlight the amount of positive, how you impact lives positively. And take that in, right? So let's just say, you know, one of the things, social media, I feel like is the wild, wild west, right? Like, like you said, I don't know that we exactly know how to use it yet. And it's funny because you and I are having this conversation about, you know, if someone unfollows you, right? Someone you thought you were on good terms with and they unfollow you. It feels really trivial to bring it up because you're like, who cares about unfollows? But at the same time, This is kind of the way that we're interacting now versus we don't see that person in person, right? They live on the other side of the country. We have, we think we have a good, maybe we saw them at a conference a year ago and we thought we had like a good rapport and then all of a sudden we see they unfollowed you and they're like, 
and it feels trivial to reach out or say anything or even tell your friend because your friend's going to be like, why do you care? And you're like, because I do, because I'm human. Mm -hmm. So is that valid? I definitely think it's valid. And I don't know the rules around it yet, right? I don't know what it means to unfollow somebody, but it means something. It means something. It It definitely registers. Yeah, it registers. You've noticed, just like you get a a dopamine hit when someone likes your photo, you see the little hearts, collect. Uh, you You get a negative hit when someone unfollows you, particularly someone who you feel like you had a relationship with. And in your mind, you're still great friends or have a great relationship. So you go, what is it? Is it they don't like my content? Are they over me? Did I say something? Right? You can play all those games. And I'm really interested to see where the social media world goes socially. I mean, this this talk took a whole 180. We were starting to talk about like real life social skills, but I think this is a more important talk. I think they're both important, right? They are so both like- important, but this is this seems to be where things are going. How we interact. Uh, there's it's really interesting. A lot of us feel more lonely than ever, but we feel more in touch with people's lives than ever, right? So I may not have talked to Billy in six years, but I know everything that's going on with Billy. So it's a, it's all these shallow connections. Like so someone had a baby, on, you just like the post and you're like, I feel like I'm connected. Well, cause you know what's going on, but yeah. there is no real connection. Like a connection happens. Like we were talking earlier through sharing, through vulnerabilities, through common experiences. And that just doesn't happen on Facebook. So what is your practice for, I know you're one of the people in my life as well as our dad, who I feel like is so good at personal connection, right? Like, well, your mom and your dad are both really what I would consider to be socially intelligent, socially adept, and you're that way too. What is your practice for obviously like meeting strangers and making them feel good? You do that really well, but like, how do you stay in touch with people in your life? I think it's so easy to just like a post and go, oh, we're connected, but, or comment back on someone's Instagram story and be like, oh, we're connected, send a heart, but you do, you go above and beyond. Like, so what's your practice with that? Uh, well, this is personal to me, though. Like, I love phone calls. I am on the phone every single day with someone in my life. And it's hard because that's limited, right? It's limited with time and energy, and you have other things to do throughout your day. But I made it, make it a huge goal of mine to call someone every single day. That's my personal practice, and you got to find what works for you, you know? And But my family's spaced out all over the place, so we got to stay in tune. And unfortunately, that limits the amount of people that you can have true connections with, which has been true all of human history. You're limited to the people in your area. And only now can I still stay in touch with Billy, even though he lives in Alaska. Right. And whoever Billy is. Yeah. It used to be that like, oh, if you graduate from high school, someone, they moved away. You like never saw him, never heard him. Yeah. Maybe saw him at the 20 year reunion. Asked what was going on. Now I don't have to go to reunion. No. I'll go with binoculars from a window, but I'm not going to actually go to it. (laughs) I check everyone's Facebook page ahead of time. So let me ask you this question. Okay. So let's say you find out that someone, the thing that you're most scared of is that someone doesn't like you or they're, they just, they don't like your new brand of authenticity. For example, if you're getting on the internet and you're, and you're, you know, maybe starting to teach a little bit and you're trying to do your personal branding and you're maybe people think like, Oh, Dan thinks he's the shit or, you know, what's he trying to do, right? There's that fear of you're going to be seen as an asshole. You're going to be seen as too good. I know I struggled with that a lot. What do you do with that? How do you manage that? Can you even? Yeah. Well, I have, I mean, I have thoughts on, on growth and change and, you know, leaving, leaving people behind for lack of a better word. But again, I would like you to address that because you do so well with this, particularly in the online space, because it's relative to online, right? Now you're talking about when you put yourself out there, you create content, you share things about yourself, you share your thoughts, opinions, uh, what's going to happen to people 
who knew you as one way and now you're changing and growing and evolving and I don't know the answer as well as you do in the online space. I really don't. So I would love for you to just share that. It's interesting. I think it's, it's, it's a lot of sensitivity of ours. And one of the things that I always think about is what is my ultimate goal? Like I always say that if it wasn't for my business, I probably wouldn't be on social media. I mean, maybe a 10th of the, the amount I am. So I think that it, a lot of it comes down to what is your goal for me? I remember early on in my career, I was very focused on, making sure that my peers saw me as credible, right? I wanted that. I wanted the, the, the ear or I wanted the eyes of my peers. I always wanted to impress my peers. And then I was just like, you know what? That is a disservice to the people who are actually showing up to my platform and reading my blogs and liking my posts and sending me DMs. My peers weren't doing that. So it was a disservice to the people who were actually showing up to focus on people who weren't interested, right? They're, they're focused on their own business, right? Maybe they're kind of looking a little bit, but if, my advice always is if you want the attention of your peers, the best thing you can do is good work. They notice people being successful. They notice people adding value. They notice people of service. So if you want to be seen as an expert authority, you want to be respected by your peers, it, it's about serving the people who are showing up and it's not your peers who are showing up. And so when I had that mental switch, Jill Fit totally shifted from that. Instead of trying to be the smartest person, I was trying to be the person who was the most accessible to the people who are showing up and be of more service. And so that was when a lot of things shifted in the business. And at the same time, so you have to ask yourself, what's the alternative? If people are not liking what you're posting, if they are, you know, they're thinking that you think you're the shit or whatever it is that we're scared of, right? Maybe we come off as bragging. What's the alternative? The alternative is not doing that. The alternative is not serving. It is a disservice to the people who love your content to be worried about the handful of people who are hating. It really fucking is. There's something reassuring that you used to teach a lot. And I, have, I haven't heard you teach it recent, uh, in recent years, but uh, when I back in 2011, when I first moved into you, you just always share, cause I was what, 22. I'm just like, what can I teach people? I, I haven't lived enough life. And you go, Dan, you only have to be 1% better than the people you're teaching. And that was always really reassuring to me. So yeah, no, I was blogging about health and fitness. I don't have to teach people who are getting, getting ripped results in the gym. Our girl Karis here, I wouldn't help Kara. She has the knowledge. She has uh, the strength. She has everything she needs to succeed in the gym. But I was teaching people who never even touched a dumbbell or right. touched a barbell. And that was always reassuring to me. It always helped me reframe, shift my perspective into, I'm not helping the Karis's of the world. I'm helping Billy Bob in Alabama, who's never touched a dumbbell, who just wants to be in, some, in better shape. And, th and that helped me get over myself, for lack of better words. I'm not trying to compete with these people who are right. top-notch. I'm just trying to help someone who I can help. So you only have to be 1% better. That's one. Number two, there's something in psychology called the spotlight effect. And it is one of my favorite things, also really reassuring in my life. Is And it says that nobody's paying attention to you. <laughs> and the best best way to see or the best place to see this is in the gym, right? You go in the gym and everybody's looking at themselves in the mirror, their own muscles. They may peak, but really they're focused on themselves. And that's how people are in life. No one is really thinking about you because they're so busy worried about themselves. Mm. And there's something reassuring about that, that no one cares about you because you get to do what you want. So even if they notice, they go on with their day and they don't notice anymore. Yeah. No, so, I love which that. Which is a really cool principle in psychology, which is super true, right? How often do you think so about, true. how often does someone on social media you think about for the rest of your day? No, no one. Never. You know, and I think there's a shift once you be, start to become more of a creator instead of a consumer and you make that shift, you know, to like, I want to be the teacher or I'm going to try to be the teacher. 
you do pay less attention to consuming. So you're not sitting around judging all the time. Like, you know, there's very few people who, and I hate this. It's a, it's a blessing and a curse. Sometimes I wish that I was paying more attention to my peers and my friends in the industry, but I just don't really have the time or wherewithal to care really what they're doing. One thing that I do want to mention is as you become more successful or as your platform grows or as you start to influence more people, your success alone is going to be polarizing. Your success alone is going to be polarizing. Think about it. Like we rarely have an opinion about someone who's not crushing, right? Like someone who's just getting started, who's like trying to make their way and like really kind of just getting started. We rarely, we're like, oh, that's great. Like it's very like kind of almost patronizing, right? It's like, oh, that's great, whatever. It's only when someone starts like really fucking crushing and making moves that we start to have an opinion. And so success, you can have the most mainstream message, the most like message that has, there's no one could even pick at. It's not polarizing. You're a good person. You're doing good work, but your success alone is going to be polarizing. People are going to have an opinion about whether or not your, your success is justified. And so I think if you're listening to this and you're feeling like, oh, why am I getting people who have a pit? Like I'm getting more hate or I'm getting more trolls or whatever that's a fucking good sign. That's the way I see it. I'm like, that's a good sign because if you don't have haters and trolls, then like no one's paying attention. And so I think, you know, to remember that that's going to be the case is no one would care if you weren't making moves. I got nothing to add to that. (laughs) No, you're exactly, you're exactly right. And it's a lot of, a lot of people that I've, I enjoy and follow and consume their content say the same thing. And one of the, another reassuring thing when I was living with, with uh, you and Jade at the time, both you guys almost developed a liking for haters because you dealt with it so much. So like we were talking about at the beginning, the, when you practice vulnerability, the next time being vulnerable becomes easier. It's the same thing with haters. The first hater is going to be the worst, and then you're going to get a little better. And then you start engaging with them. And I don't know why you do that. That drives me crazy. <laughs> but you start asking them, quite, like, why do you think that? Where and you start having these conversations and it becomes sort of fun. For it kind of dissipates the it's the fear and the urgency, right? So I remember the first time I got a hater. I mean, I was like so bummed for days, days. It was like ruined my day, ruined my week. Like, how could this person? And then I was, and then over time, you start getting more. Now, like, I mean, literally within ten seconds, if I get a comment or whatever, it's either like delete and ban, or it's just like lol, okay, bro. Like, it's fine. I'll take it in if it's something that's that I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Maybe it'll help me hone my message better. Mm-hmm. But if it's someone who's blatantly rude or cruel, delete and ban, but now maybe 10 seconds and then it's off my radar. Yeah. And that was an evolution though. Cause it's totally like you said, so that's what I'm saying. Rip off the bandit as fast as possible. Get whatever yeah, yeah. kind of like hate that you're going to get and decide how you want to take that in. I'm not the kind of person who's just like, fuck them and don't listen to it. Like don't read the comments. I like discussion. I like debate. I love the psychology of other people. So I do like asking questions if we're going to have a discussion. If it's immediately moving to everyone's defensive and it's not productive, then yes, I'm going to delete that or I'm going to just disengage. But I like the idea of, and if I do have questions, I look at that as market research. I'm like, cool, I might need to make my message more clear or I can get a little bit better at communicating this. And so I think if you can look at it like there's some utility there. So my advice, rip off the Band-Aid, be yourself, see what transpires but also be a good person, which I think is what you're saying too. That's exactly what I'm saying. I'd definitely like, be a don't good be a person. Dick. I think, yeah. And just to pull the curtain back on, most people who shit on other people online are not someone that you would want to trade shoes with. They're someone who's likely not happy or not where they want to be in life. And what's interesting is 
uh, there is this one guy recently who uh, reached out on social media and was it was kind of a dick, but really all he wanted to do was teach you the right thing. So I go, okay, John, what's the right thing? You know, tell me about this. He goes, well, if you'll see this, this, and this, and all of a sudden he's sending me links. He's sending <laughs> me examples. If you look at this, he goes, hey, man, what's going on? Check out this. Even though he started as the worst person, now he, he thinks he's my best friend. Now he loves so, you. Now he loves you. But that's, I just think that's important. You would never want to be those people, and right. you're never going to be those people. And unfortunately, I think those people are, are going to be extinct over time really? as we develop. I really do. Hmm. Interesting. As much as you see, as much you see it, well, as much as you see a dick in real life, which doesn't happen that often. No, anymore. very rarely someone very walks up rarely to you and it's just like a flat out jerk. Uh, I think that's what the internet will look like. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I love. I always love your perspective because I think you always have a really good balance. I think sometimes when I'm maybe a little bit too boundary heavy, I don't want to say I'm cold, but I definitely am boundary heavy. I'm definitely focused. You are the, the, the person that I go to almost as like to check myself like, hey, do you think that was a little bit out of line or do you feel like I maybe I wasn't as empathetic as I could be, you know, and I feel like, you know, I am maybe helping you to come back to the center and maybe have more effective boundaries. Totally. I don't get caught in coffee shops nearly as much. I haven't played chess in years. <laughs> you haven't played chess in years? Maybe you're rusty. Yeah, I'm definitely rusty. Anyway, I love this discussion. If you guys are interested in uh, having this discussion even further, make sure you go to our closed Facebook group. It's a free group, thebestlifepodcast.com. You can join our free Facebook group, say what you think of Dan, uh, and tell us if you want us to have him back on the show. And make sure you guys pick up his book. The title is not solidified 100% yet, uh, but when it is, we'll make sure that we share it with you guys. I think it's going to be a great read. A lot of it is about in person relationships, especially to those with those the closest to you, which I know obviously on the Best Life podcast comes up constantly. All of us have an issue with a family member or a friend or a spouse or something that's going on. So make sure you check that out. But I wanted to talk about this with Dan because I consider I do consider you to be a little bit of a social genius. So thank you. That's sweet. I appreciate that. Always love being on the Best Life. Shout out to all the besties out there. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. Bye.